Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Learning to Live podcast. My name is Chaz Okada and this episode we have part two of the interview with Mr. Chuck Sirak. This interview is such an exciting interview for me. It's not every day that you get to meet somebody of the caliber of Mr. Chuck Sirak. He's just an amazing person, so much energy, he's so dedicated. He was so in the moment for this interview and if you want to hear about some of his key values for Sweetwater key aspects of the company or how he started the business, go check out the previous episode where he talks about a lot of that stuff. And then this episode will delve more into the Sweetwater operations, how he views Amazon, and just a bunch of advice for an entrepreneur or anybody that is starting a business or has their own business. This interview was so content dense in the best way possible. And without any more delay, let's get right into the interview. So you're sort of in the same space as a company like Amazon, probably, because Amazon also sells music Mm -hmm. here. How do you deal with that? Oh, I love that one. Um, We are in a really, really great position at Sweetwater. There are 5,000 other music stores in the United States. Some of them have been around for a long time, second and third generation. Um, Some of them are run really, really well, and some are not run so well, and, and a lot of them today are really struggling, competing against Amazon or other online merchants. Uh, A lot of them are struggling because generally they have minimum wage employees that don't stay very long. They don't have a lot of inventory anymore because it's hard to inventory all the various brands and that sort of thing. And you have Amazon, at the other hand, who has a good portion of the inventory. They don't quite have as much high-end inventory as we do, but they have the majority of the inventory. And they are really good at overnighting an item to you or two items to you. But what they don't have are sales engineers. And they don't have the relationship-building capability that we do. In fact, it's against their model. Their model is to not talk to you, to not have interaction. Just you know what you want, you order it. But at Sweetwater, we can talk to you and say how to use your Apple computer with Mark the Unicorn software and, and a uh, PreSonus interface or um, you know a, a Pro Tools type interface and how to plug my Gibson Les Paul into it. And we can really make that sort of advice for you that they just can't do at Amazon and, frankly, the traditional store can't do. We have all the major brands today. As I said, we have you know thousands and thousands of items in inventory. And more than even giving advice on the equipment, We can develop that relationship with you to figure out what your dreams are, what your aspirations are, um, and what you want to do. And and we can help decide the difference between a PreSonus interface and a Focusrite interface and which one's really going to be right for your situation. And as big as Amazon gets, I don't believe that they can ever write algorithms that can dial into that personal stuff that we can do by developing a relationship with you. Because of that, We've been growing 20% a year or so, and that's a real interesting thing because at 20% a year, in less than four years, we double in size, and we've been doing that over and over and over. Now, again, they're a really healthy competitor, and they've got some great advantages. You know, Of course, they can deliver the next day. They're soon going to be delivering in two hours or with drones or pick it up at their place, and that's a challenge that we're going to keep working on, and our carriers are getting faster and faster. It's one of the reasons we're opening a new distribution center so we can ship even quicker. 
And maybe someday we'll have other warehouses around the country. But uh, I just think our model is really, really good and fits neatly between the local store and Amazon. And, and I am fortunate to be one of the few vendors that's not real worried about Amazon. It seems like your model would be a great long-term growth strategy. It doesn't need to skyrocket immediately and multiply like that because when you build those relationships, they last. And with Amazon, I guess, like you said, if somebody has a bad experience there, it could reflect towards the rest of the company. And you really make sure that you come in like a neat little Sweetwater package with the candy included. So that's really refreshing to see as a consumer. Yeah, thank you. I think you're right on the money. So I would like to hear a little bit about some of the more technical aspects with the personal relationships and how you build that. How do you remember all of your customers? Well, I wish I could tell you I remembered all 5 million of them, but that's obviously a little hard. Um, We have lots of tools and we have a a CRM or a customer relationship management uh, software package that we've developed. It's a proprietary thing. Um, it started way, way back when. I actually programmed it initially in Microsoft Works and then FileMaker. And today we're in a big client server thing driven by a product called 4D, but there's lots of SQL databases and, and all that under it. But we track everything about our customers, not like a big brother, but in a, in a good consultive sort of way. And so we are keeping track of birth dates and children's name and what equipment the customer has and maybe their dreams and aspirations. But our whole company is driven by this information system. And we have every uh, interaction we've had with a customer or a vendor online for us to see from 1990 forward. And so for a long, long time, we know exactly on this day what we quoted or a birth date or all those sorts of things. And, and frankly, it runs the whole company from the way we answer the phones to uh, the way the catalog is put together to the inventory we order, the website, uh, clearly to what the salespeople do and the credit department, but even the shipping department. Our system interfaces with FedEx and UPS, and it just makes a nice seamless package to be able to track all that sort of stuff. I think that one thing that happens in the media is that this data collection tends to get a bad rap. But when you can really have it personalized, and it's not like you're you're using that maliciously, it can really provide the user with a more straightforward, truthful, honest, glass window approach to business. It does, and it allows sales engineers, as an example, to see what equipment you bought previously to know how this new piece of equipment might interface with it. It allows our tech support people to support you and figure out what version of software you might have in your instruments and and to say, oh, there's a new version of software that will work for your particular keyboard or, or computer interface and that sort of thing. It allows, you know, from a warranty point of view, we don't have to ask you to bring your receipt or show us a receipt because we know what the date is. And uh, I totally agree with you. It just needs to be used in a responsible sort of way. And we also need we have a responsibility to protect it. And so we have a whole bunch of people that are in the IT security fraud area just to make sure that data stays in our building and in our control. And there's also a bunch of legal rules today of what we can do or not do with credit cards and all that. And I would say the customer's data is protected really, really well, and it's it's really used to benefit them. So. Certainly. Back when you, post-internet era or post-internet creation, How did you become searchable through Google? Because I know that I just recently learned that that was a huge part of a business is that if you don't show up on the first page of Google, they're not going to find you. And because you're an internet company, how did you figure that out? 
Yeah, well, it's changing. The rules have been changing. Uh, it used to be you put a web page up and it just showed up. It was pretty amazing how the search engines worked. Um, then it got to you had to make sure you wrote really intelligent pages. And the more intelligent you wrote them and the better your content was, the more those would show up. And today that still is, is true. You have to write really good web pages. It has good content. And the more unique your content is, the higher you will rank as compared to someone who maybe is borrowing uh, text from a manufacturer or whatever. So we write almost all of our text from scratch. We take a lot of our pictures ourselves to have as much unique content as we can. We do lots of videos and all of those things help our rankings. Then of course you can also pay to get higher on the rankings and we do that too. And so if you go searching on the internet for a, a Focusrite interface as an example, if we think that's an important uh, word for us to, to own or to have access to, then we'll, our page will be presented, basically we're advertised to, to the client and hopefully they'll come to us to buy that Focusrite interface. I guess I do see that now that I recall searching on Google, I, I do see Sweetwater. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. How much liberty do you give to your different teams, such as maybe social media? Because I see on YouTube, there's a lot of Sweetwater presence on YouTube. Was that your idea or was that somebody that you hired and they're like, I have this idea and I want to go forward? Ooh, um, it's a little bit of all of that. I mean, uh, all of the leaders of our company are, are pretty current, pretty relevant. We know what's going on in the world, and all of that is just a small part of our marketing. And, and uh, you know, we've been on YouTube and been on the net. I say we've been on the internet since 1994, which is about as early as anybody in the music industry. But we've been careful through the years when we see a new technology coming to make sure we hire people that have expertise or we develop the expertise in-house ourselves. Um, but today it's a it's a very very wide mix, you know, from from still Facebook for us old people to Instagram to YouTube and websites and on and on and on. And and you just have to be on top of all of those if you want to be relevant today. What are the big decisions that you have to make today in terms of the company? Because you do give, because you have a lot of employees with specific expertise. Sure. So what do you specifically decide? Right. And I, I really try and trust my employees. I empower the employees. I tell everyone, literally everyone in the company, they're empowered to do whatever they need to do for the customer. If that means paying for an Uber ride or buying lunch or replacing a keyboard, my sales engineers are allowed to do that, and my receptionists are allowed to do that. Everyone is allowed to do that. I do not want to work in a company where, oh, that has to be approved by the manager. I've hired really good people. I've trained them well, and so I've empowered them to do that. So even at the decisions you're talking about, I don't want to micromanage those. I really, really trust the people that are, that are there. You know, my goal today is to provide vision and direction. And, you know, maybe I have to make decisions on big things like, can we really do a $76 million new expansion? But the day in, day out stuff, I, you know, I'm, I'm a detail guy, so I do get involved sometimes in the details and I want to see it, but, but I let them run with most of it. And, you know, hopefully before it goes out to the real world or the, you know, to where people will see it, I'll get a chance to see it and make a tweak or two, or sometimes I just say, thank you, congratulations, you know. Earlier, you talked about how you wish that more people knew that Sweetwater was different and Sweetwater cared. How do you think you'll get that message out? We are trying all the time. It's one of the hardest things we've ever done. You know, I can't put in a newspaper or in a newspaper ad or a magazine ad, Sweetwater's better and here's why. That just sounds like crap and nobody would believe that. It has to just happen over time and it has to happen 
really with referrals. I think when, when someone has a great experience here and they tell others, that's really powerful, more powerful than anything we could ever say or do. We just need to make sure that we show our best side all the time and, and try not to make mistakes. We're human, we do. And, but when, when we make a mistake, it's how we handle that mistake, how we recover from it. And uh, you know, we're winning. I, I, you know, I can't complain about where we are. We're growing like crazy every year. And so more and more customers are getting it. I just, it's just amazing to me still that I'll run into people that have not heard of Sweetwater or, or think we're like everybody else. And it hurts for as much money and time and energy as we've spent trying to do a good job and tell our story and let other people tell our story. Um, it hurts they still don't know. But, you know, things like what we're doing today will help tell more people. What sort of feedback do you get from your customers? Do you ever get anything that says, oh, I really love what Sweetwater does? Oh, my goodness. I get, I don't think I'm exaggerating, 200, 250 emails a day I get from customers raving about their experience. I get written letters, which I don't write a letter myself. I don't know last time you ever wrote a letter, but I get handwritten or typewritten. Handwritten are tough. They're hard to read sometimes, but I get letters every day of the week of people raving about their experience. And I got to tell you, I'm just absolutely knocked out and humbled by it, whether it's an email or, or a, a letter like that. I, I don't know that I've ever written a letter to a manufacturer or a, a retailer and said, hey, you did a good job. You know, I always do it by voting with my dollars. If I have a bad experience, I just don't go back. But um, we are fortunate. The culture and passion that we've created in our company has created some raving fans. And I love I love the fan, the word fans even more than customers, and, uh, uh, and it, it, it dumbfounds me how many we get. You know, once in a while we get one where we screwed up, but that's the, the difference. When we screw up, I mean, I personally am on the phone to the customer apologizing, and I'm saying I'm sorry. And if I'm not available, one of my top other people are, and we solve it right away. You know, I'm, again, I'm very reachable. My, I answer my own phone and my own email, and I want customers to be happy. So. Is there anything that you see with other companies that you just wish that they would fix in their management structure or you just maybe it's not your business to deal with that but right. you say if I was running that company I would change this and this. Well there are a lot of great companies around this country and I have respect for all of them. It's hard today, just really hard to have a successful business. So although I may personally disagree who am I to, as you say, get into their business? And uh, yeah, I see opportunities everywhere I go. And uh, when I see a company where I'm just blown away, whether it's a local restaurant or, or a national company, and I see they're doing a great, great job, man, that just, that's an awesome feeling. One of the problems with our company being so uh, dependent and so, so strong on customer service We've become, we've become a little bit critical at seeing customer service at other places. And you go, it would just be so easy to, to fix this or to do this. And even little things like the building. If you walk through our building, it's pretty darn pristine. And we have not only rules and guidelines, but we have firm beliefs that if there's a chip in the wall, I want it fixed right away. Because if you don't fix that little chip in the wall... One, it sends a funny signal to everybody, but also all of a sudden now they'll become another chip and another chip and, and you just don't take it so serious. And if you walk through our building, it's pretty hard to find a corner that's got a nick in it or something, but we fix it right away. And, and uh, that's just the belief that we try and have about everything we do. But it would not be my position to judge other businesses and again, I'm really respectful of most other businesses. I was just thinking from the perspective, if I had a company, what warning sign should I look out for? But that's certainly helpful. You know, the warning sign I would say is if you're just taking care of your customer and you're in 110%, you'll do great. You'll be fine. If 
And I think most people know when they're kind of uh, taking the shortcut or you get into arguments, how do you argue with a customer? And yet I see that at stores once in a while about returns. And it doesn't matter what reality is. The customer's perception is really the reality. And so maybe they did abuse you. You know, once in a while, we'll have people that will buy microphones from us as an example. And we kind of know they're only using it for a session over that weekend. It would be real easy to put a policy in place and say, you know, no returns on microphones, but I'm not going to punish the 99.5% of the great customers because there's a couple bozos once in a while that push it. And the same thing with rules in our company with employees. And I don't want to put arcane rules in here to punish employees because of one or two that, you know, make a mistake or have a little bit of a shortfall or weakness. And, And so I'm looking always for the good of people, not the bad of people. It's nice to hear that because I sort of think in the same way, even though I haven't had my own business, but that's sort of the way that I look at life and rules and searching for the good in people. But you're still successful. You're not sacrificing much. Um, I'd like to finish out by talking about your other businesses because you're. I, I really admire the way that you care about the Fort Wayne community and you've done some great work for a flight school here and also car dealerships and other businesses. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Every one of those other businesses and their sweet cars where we sell slightly used, really nice higher end fun cars, Porsches, Ferraris, uh, Mercedes, you know, those kind of things. Um, there's uh, sweet aviation. We teach people how to fly airplanes or helicopters. We have a maintenance department where we fix other people's airplanes. We have Lounge Optical where we provide great vision care and eyeglasses and contacts for folks. Uh, uh, we have an insurance company. We uh, recently opened up the Clyde Theater, um, bringing acts in from all over the country. But all of those were created to add value to our community, to create jobs for our community, and and just to make our place a little bit better to live. Um, you might wonder what's in common with all those businesses compared to Sweetwater. And what I'd tell you is in common is that they're all people businesses. Even Sweetwater, we happen to sell music instruments, but our real business is people. Hopefully you've heard from talking to me today that it's about the relationships, both with our employees, but then ultimately with our customers or our our fans, as I like to say. The same thing at Sweet Aviation, Sweet Cars, the Clyde. It's all about the people relationships, the people experiences. And we just happen to be giving the joy of flight lessons or the joy of a nice car or a great evening. We have some good music and all of that. And uh, they're jobs. I wanted to create more jobs in our community. The more jobs we can create and the more experiences, the better it'll be for all of us. How do you balance these businesses and how do you balance your time management between them? Yes. um, As I said, I really try and hire the best people I can and then I empower them. So every one of those businesses has an executive director or general manager that run the businesses. And uh, I stay out of the way. I mean, I get reports from them. I meet with them somewhat regularly, um, but I let them run the business. And the young man that's been running the flight school has been there before I owned it, but probably 10 years. He's doing a great job. Um, the the person running sweet cars started as a porter, you know, driving cars and detailing cars. He's now the general manager today and got his degree from one of the local universities and just great young man. Uh, I didn't mention, but I have Minette Music, which is a store that's been around since 
1933. Again, great solid staff and a great leader running it. Um, the same thing with Lange Opticals, a company that I bought a few years ago was about to go out of business, but it had been around since 1938 and the jobs were going away. And we bought it, put some marketing into it. We cleaned up the stores. We moved some stores, brought lots of technology in. And today we're doing several times the business that it used to do. And it's on very solid footing, but it's all driven by a great general manager. And so I get reports from them. I meet with them about once a month or so, um, but I let them run their business. Sounds like you really inspire the culture there too at those different companies and that we do try big. and we do try and set the culture and inspire it. Um, you know, the, the managers have some control over that also, but we wanted it to be a great experience like it is at Sweetwater. So is there anything else that you'd like to say for any young high schoolers or college students or maybe young adults looking for career paths or don't know what they want to do or young entrepreneurs? Well, there's lots of things I could say, but, you know, what I'd want to do is encourage them. Um, It's, uh, yes, there's lots of competition today. I'm sure it's scary at the level that you're at. But on the other hand, there are so many tools and resources that are available to you that, frankly, I didn't have access to. I had to pioneer it, if you will. And today, you can listen to a podcast and get a little bit of, hopefully, instruction and help, whether it's this one or other podcasts. Um, there are financial resources. There's people that can encourage you. Um, you know, and, and I would just say, go for it. Our world, our country especially, is founded on small business. And, and small business is actually much bigger. The combination of small business is much bigger than big business. And every Every business started as a small business at one point, and and I would just encourage you to be all in, go 110%, and I think anything's possible. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been a great interview, and hopefully I'll take some of these tips and advice and take that into my own life. So thank Thank you. you. Appreciate your time today. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. That concludes part two of this interview with Mr. Chuck Serac, and I really want to thank him once again for his time in sitting down with somebody like me who has this small podcast project, and I'm not, I'm not a big name person. I really have a very small following of this podcast right now, but that doesn't really matter to him. He really takes that personal time, and he gave 110% in this interview, just like he says he gives his all and everything. And I think that that plays out in his business model and the way that he says he's accessible to customers. He personally reaches out from what I've heard from other employees at Sweetwater. When things don't go the right way, he makes sure that the customer knows that he has their best interest in mind. And it's just shows that care that, and and the customers give him feedback as well. When he talked about getting all those hundreds of letters and these responses from people who are so blown away and satisfied by Sweetwater's customer service. I think that that's, that's something that I've never heard before from anybody and it's something special and maybe when I go on later on in my life I think that that's gonna be something that I'm really thinking about and how do I provide so much value to somebody that they're gonna handwrite me a letter thanking me for what I've done when really it's just my duty as a person who potentially owns a business or just a person who provides a service that that's what I should be doing. That's my responsibility. It's my duty to provide that quality for whoever I am serving.
And to finish it off, I highly encourage you to share this podcast with anybody that you think might find this these words of encouragement or this interview useful or valuable in any way. I have a Facebook page, uh, there's an Instagram page, a Twitter page, and a website. They, those should all be linked in the podcast description, and the website is chazokada.com. That is C-H-A-Z-O-K-A-D-A.com. And lastly, I just wanted to say that I'm really excited about the upcoming podcast interviews that I have. I There's so many on my computer that I have yet to release because I still have to edit them, and it takes time to edit while I'm a co- college student. But I'm really looking forward to putting those out and hearing your feedback. So if you have anything that you want to say, any comments, criticisms, questions for me, anybody that you want to see on the podcast, please let me know through my social media. Send me an email. Get in contact with me. I'd really love to hear your feedback. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and take care.